At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Are you ready? I'm ready. Guys, welcome to the Full Blast Podcast. I'm Jeff Fader. My boy, my boy's back. Noah Vashon's here. And uh, before we get to it, let's just take care of a little business. You know who brought Noah Vashon down to, from Canada all the way to Maker Camp? Broadback. Uh, no, not Broadback Ironworks. <laughs> that was Maritime Knife Supply. Maritime Knife Supply. That's Lawrence Lake. He's up in Canada, but he ships all over the place. If you got any knife-making needs, belts, abrasives, steels, kilns, forges, presses, heat-treating ovens, anvils, anything, you got combat abrasives, he's got you back. Damn steel, Broadback Ironworks, all that stuff, he got your back. So go get yourself some whatever he's got going on. I'm going to place an order with him this week. i got to get some belts from him, uh, Maritime Knife Supply. And I'm not worried. I'm not worried because he's in Canada. But if the exchange rate's good. We're all squared away. He's going to get it to me as fast as anybody else, and he is part of the knife-making community, so go follow uh, Maritime Knife Supply on Instagram. Go check out MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. And one of, his, one of the companies that he represents is Broadback Ironworks, makers of the 2x72 grinder. This is an awesome grinder, and I love it. I love that I love it, and it's very versatile. It's very uh, user-friendly, especially if you have a small shop and you want to get as much possible out of one machine as possible. This is the one for you. If you go to broadbackironworks.com and you put in the promo code KNIFETALK10, you're going to get 10% off the grinders, packages, parts, all that. And I've been told that they have a... Uh, uh, Black Friday sale coming up in November, so go check out what's going on with that, and uh, for sure, for sure, for sure, check out my friends at BroadbeckIronworks.com. Uh, one other person I like to talk about a lot is Even Heat. That's my that's my boys, Spence and the gang over at Even Heat. They're the, they're the finest heat treat ovens available. You got to get yourself one of them Even Heats. Go to Even Heat. Evenheat-kiln.com and check out what they got. The tap control is dynamite. And you might say to yourself, ah, it's too high tech for me. That's fine. It's fine. They got the turn and burn, which is you set it and forget it. You put it to your temperature you want and you get going. They're very user-friendly. Uh, it's a dynamite machine. The uh, the customer service from uh, Evenheat is the best. And I am, I am just in love with the Evenheat uh, organization. They're awesome guys. So go check out what's going on at Evenheat. Next are my friends in Australia, Nordic Edge, nordicedge.com, uh, nordicedge.com.au, uh, or follow them on Instagram at Nordic underscore Edge. They are making awesome pro tools for knife makers. They're also teaching classes in Australia, and if you have any stuff that you want to get uh, in Australia for knife making, blacksmithing, all that stuff, hammers and tongs and scales and knife material and steels and all that, go to nordicedge.com.au. They work with Mert Tansu to make the big Mert file guide. They have awesome uh, tang hole saws and they got beveling jigs and they're just a great bunch of guys and Jamie, uh, Jamie Bishop's involved and that's good enough for me. If it's good enough for Jamie Bishop, then that's just all you need to know. So check out what's going on over there at nordicedge.com.au. 
Uh, many thanks to my friends at Trojan Horse Forge. That's uh, TrojanHorseForge.com. Sam and Jeff are kicking ass in Texas. They're making awesome vices for knife makers, and uh, there's all sorts of stuff. Not only are they making a vice, but they're making a vice press, a handle press attachment. So if you have a, a hidden tang knife and you want to get it in uh, glued up easy, use the handle to, handle press attachment. It is a really awesome thing. And also check out what they got going on with the T4 Sentinel Oil. Uh, my boys are doing it. And don't believe me, go get yourself one of them stable rail knife finishing vices. And if you put in the promo code full blast 10, you're going to get 10% off. And let me tell you something. This is the best vice knife vice on the market. You can hand sand and you can work on your handles as well. So go check out what's going on over there at trojanhorseforge.com. Trojanhorseforge.com. Oh boy. I got a nice email from uh, Baker Forge and Tool. They loved the ad read where I was making jokes about uh, good old Baker Forge. I, I tell you what, all jokes aside, I'm going to have Koei on late, uh, sooner rather than later. He's been on the move, and I want to get, uh, get him on the show. We're going to talk about some stuff. But that stuff is awesome. If you're looking to get into uh, exotic steels, you know, sand mize and copper mize and bronze mize and tiger mize, it's a very good way to get started in it because you, it's very easy to work with. It's, the steel comes all annealed. It's very easy to heat treat. It's very easy to work. You get the core in the middle. You're in business. If I can do it, you can do it. And and uh, it's a great way to start getting involved in. Uh, it's a great way to start getting involved in exotic steels without the pressure, because it's very they they make it easy for you. You can cut it on your bandsaw. Uh, port a band, obviously not on your, on your, that shitty wood saw you got going on, but you can work that and then you get yourself some of that gator piss. That's that etching that they use. And, um, it's, it's easy to work with. And if you're new at knife making, this is a really great beginner to how to, you know, you work with exotic steels. If you go to bakerforge.com, you put in the promo code full blast, you get 10% off. And if you're in the EU, go to diyeurope.eu, um, for all of that gator piss so get yourself some of that gator piss next are my friends at total boat total boat totalboat.com slash full blast they have all the two part uh i like their two part uh, high performance epoxy i like their uv cure resin i like all their glues and stuff like that and it's great really great stuff i i can't say enough for knife makers and i know that a lot of guys want to use marine grade well this is marine grade so i'm amazed at how really good it is how user-friendly it is and when you do a pump of each machine uh, you can do a pump of the hardener and then the pump of the resin and then uh, it's not like you don't end up with like a gallon of it. It's 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 very very user friendly, especially for knife makers. So check out what's going on over there. Totalbows.com slash full blast. All the all the promo codes uh, are in the show notes. Many thanks to G L Hansen Sons. That's G dot L dot underscore Hansen Sons on uh, Instagram. G Carta at bigcartel.com. It's this really amazing, uh, unique composite of natural fibers and fabrics mixed with epoxy under pressure giving you very colorful very strong very durable handle material handle scales and blocks so check out big cartel uh, g get yourself some of that ripple cut ripple cut tuxini bofa get yourself some of that mikey uh, that mikey's <laughs> mikey's mahi mahi radio worm g carter pheasant by mikey Color Rama by Mikey and Hoopla by Mikey. And I'm sure you're saying to yourself, well, what is it? Well, go check out what they got going on on Instagram. And you definitely go check out what they got going on at gcartel.bigcartel.com. And last but not least, 
Almost last but not least, last but not least, I want to thank my friends at Tormek. Tormek celebrating 50 years of being in business, and they just started with this, the black T8 sharpening system. It's a great water-cooled sharpening system. Go to Tormek.com, check out what they got going on. You can even go see, you know, I know who has it if you're in the EU or in the UK. You're in the UK, go check out uh, uh, UK Knife Supply Maker, UK Knife Maker Supplies, that's Toby Merle. Get yourself uh, one of them Tormex, and I'm telling you, you'll be a better knife maker for sure. So check out what's going on at Tormex.com. And last but not least, before I say anything, before I get Noah on here, I just want to say one thing. I have found myself in a position of having to be customer service for for some of the sponsors of this show, and I have a couple things to say. Number one, I appreciate my sponsors. I appreciate my sponsors very much for sponsoring the show. I... All the ones that I have just spoke about, I have nothing but respect and thankfulness towards them. However, I am not the customer service for these companies. Now, there's two-fold questions in regards to that. Number one is, if you're sponsoring the show, I really hope that you're doing everything you can to be as a, as a, a customer service as possible for the listeners of the show. With that said, once again, the the customer service of the of the uh, the sponsors I've just read have been fantastic. Uh, this is not aimed at any of the ones in the in the in the on the show uh, who are sponsoring the show yet, yet, yet. You're just I'm making sure you guys know this because I have had sponsors in the past who I had a good relationship with and it didn't work out, which is fine. And they are not honoring. They're not honoring their their uh, they're not honoring the things that they are saying that they're supposed to honor as businesses. And what happens is, is I end up getting customer service. I am not customer service for former sponsors. Uh, I would hope. I would hope that these businesses who are involved in customer service would do the right thing. But also know this as a listener: I am not the fucking customer service for my sponsors. And with that said. Please, 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 please. You know what I'm saying. Without any further ado, my friend Noah Vashon is here. Noah Vashon is Vashon Knives. I had the wonderful, I had the terrific uh, experience. I had the terrific honor of hanging out with him at Maker Camp. Noah Vashon's here. Noah, my man, what's going on? Hey, I'm good, bud. I'm great. Yeah, it was fantastic to meet you in person. It's kind of strange because it's like we've talked... For years, know, combined, combined for like you know many hours, let's say. But for um, years, yeah, over years, and I like you know I f- I feel like I know you, and I, and it, and and it was kind of like oh, I wonder I wonder what it's going to be like to actually you know meet face to face. Same same guy, yeah. the same guy I thought you'd be, you know. That, so that was kind of refreshing. That was nice to see. But yeah, no, that was that was really cool to, to get I, a chance to meet up. A, a number, like, what was it? About a month ago, we did the Maker Camp. Just about a month ago. Was it that long? Yeah, a few about weeks a month anyway. ago, maybe three yeah. weeks ago. Yeah. And Maker Camp is such a great place, and you can listen to the Maker Camp uh, recap here and our other podcasts are talking about it and stuff like that, and I've talked yeah. to. And the cool thing was, was before I got a message that you were coming down, and now I was legitimately excited, and I got uh-huh. like I got giddy about it because uh-huh. I always wanted. We've talked for a long time, and I even said it to to, to uh, Mareko on uh, Knife Talk. I was like, "Did you hear that Noah that Sean's coming down?" And we we're like, "Yeah, it's awesome." <laughs> So it really was really cool to see you down there, and uh, it was it is 
it is this kind of weird thing where we're in this new world of Instagram and meeting people online and yeah. and then you get to meet them in, in person. It's a whole different story. So, But it's great. I mean, we spend so much time by ourselves in yeah. our shops, you know, like yeah. to, to, to actually get out there and see these people face to face and like see other people who have not only like similar inclinations and interests, but but also just to see that like we have some sort of shared like I was making jokes. I was like, it's like it's almost like a maker support group. Yeah, it's like we're all we're all sort of like a little awkward and you know like a little like not used to being out in the world that right. much and a little introverted, you know. And and of course, like self doubt is rampant in the maker community. Oh. Like you know, it's it, everybody's kind of experiencing the same sort of things. And it's really nice to just kind of get out there and say, oh yeah, okay, I'm not alone in this. Like we're we're all kind of going through really in a lot of ways the same thing. Well, it's so much different than Blade Show. Did you go to Blade Show yet? Yeah, I did once. Yeah, I did. And once. how? I mean, it's completely different. Oh well, yeah. I mean, Blade Show is—it's very business, right? Like, right. and that was kind of—I think for me, even before going to Maker Camp, I, I made this sort of conscious decision. I was like, "This is not a business trip. This is just—I'm going to just be—I am not Vashon Knives here. I'm just me, you know. Yeah. And like—and the, the, the distinction is, you know, subtle, but it is there. And like when you're at Blade Show, you're very much you know, representing your company, you're very right. much there because of the business opportunities and the networking and hopefully sales and, you know, all that shit, which is great, but it's a very, yeah, very different thing. And, um, this was, this was really cool. It was like, no, we're, you know, this is really maker oriented. So you're just there to meet other makers. You're not really there to like try to sell your, your product to, to your clients. Your clients aren't there. You know, it's not, there's no high, you know, high end knife collectors there. Or whatever. Oh right? no! Well, that's see, that's the thing. It's like the it's it's it almost felt like Maker Camp was more like a country club. Yeah, where yeah, you exactly. where you're around other people, other friends who are doing your thing. A country club might that be the, might be the worst might be the worst analogy for it. But you know, the time you go to Blake or Blade Show, there are people who are not in the knife making community who are coming in there. But when it comes to Maker Camp, all the people who are coming to Maker Camp are makers yeah. and. They are they're 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 very hardy. They're a hardier. It's a hardier group. You know, it's like the crazy part was it was it rained like crazy, and yeah. everyone was just like, "All right, well, we got our work boots on." You know, it's just that's the way we is, and it's like it just seems like everyone is far more just into being. It's camp is the right word. Sure, it's like and, summer and camp, and in the in the spirit of like content creation when things go bad that's when the content starts to get good anyway right i mean i i didn't i wasn't documenting it but i know a lot of people were there who were like doing a lot of you know this is going to be good content for my youtube channel or or whatever and i I, you know i was kind of like oh good little drama well here's the interesting thing and this is something that i wanted to talk to you about in regards to the concept of perspective and age yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to uh, say that you're older than me. I don't think you are. I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure that you're much younger than me. Oh, I'm 44. All right, 44. So we're off. in the same game. We're in the same game. I'm, I'm yeah, 49. Yeah. I'm 49. And the concept of perception is so interesting. I had uh, I had Nick Rossi on, and we were ta- he was talking about these hammer ins and events, and he's concerned. He was he was venting his concern that some of them don't get the eyes that something like Maker Camp does. And a lot of it's because there's so many content creators going to Maker Camp in general. Yeah. That it was like it, it was completely a different generation than say well, I mean I'm gonna unfortunately I'm convinced now that the world is 
about to pass, you know, has passed you and I by. We're too kind of <laughs> almost too old for totally. a lot of the, the new way of people learning. You know, if you're under 25, you, you're like learning a completely different way of everything than you and I are at 44 and 49. Yeah. And social media is a barrier for us. I mean, yeah. our, our age rather is the barrier for social media because we're just not as comfortable with that medium, you know, with that communication style. Like, I mean, I don't know about you, but uh, even from the very beginning, there was always like a certain ickiness right. a- about social media to me. Like it was never, it never felt totally comfortable. It always felt a little, yeah. Well, when did you start? Well, so when I first got into knife making, I had a, so a good buddy of mine was working at Google. And so I reached out to him and I said, hey, what should I do about a website? Like I, I, I'm just getting started in knife making. I obviously need like a website. What should I be doing? And like, how should I be getting people to go to my website? And he was like, don't make a website, go on Instagram. So literally from the very first, like the second I started taking it seriously, I was just like, okay, Instagram. So I, you know, I'd never used the platform before, jumped on, you know, and learned as I went. But um, obviously, you know, I was rewarded for that fairly quickly because Instagram was clearly the place, as you know, the place to be. You know, fuck, like seven, eight years ago, it was just exploding and, you know, every knife I posted would sell quickly. And I was like, okay, who needs a website? I mean, this is obviously the place to be right. And you know, you, you learn, you learn how to do it and it's evolved a lot. And I think that's maybe where that whole sense of starting to feel like a little bit left behind starts to come in with like the reels and the, the, you know, I don't know, like all the new things that have kind of come about that make Instagram different from what it was when I first started. I've, begrudgingly adopted yeah let's just say you know that's right like i have to keep this going because this is for my business but it's like it's kind of it's not really my thing well in terms of the perspective i'm obsessed with perspective now because i'm about to turn 50 and when i'm 50 my father if he was alive he would be 100 Mm. when he was when i was i was born when he was my age when i was no when he was a little old when he was 50 i was born So I was thinking a lot about like the person that I am now. And if I had a baby right now, what, how different of a father I would have been than when I had my daughter at 30 and the perspective of age has such a huge difference on how you see things and how you react. One, another example is my, my old teacher, Ori Hoffi, who passed away uh, last year or this past year. He started blacksmithing at 50 after mm. 50 years of working in a plant or working in a fabrication company, working in a, in, a, in, a, in a rubber company and having his perspective on life. And then when he started forging, which I thinking now starting about, you know, at 50, getting my life involved with blacksmithing, I don't I can tell you now I would not do it. Like I, if this was the beginning of my blacksmithing year, I, my blacksmithing career, I would have said no. Even though I'm the same person, it would have been too physically demanding for me to right. even get involved. Right. But it's interesting because his perspective at his age has informed the type of blacksmith that he became, which was a guy who was slightly controversial because he... Mm-hmm. Had been old already. He's already old, and he already has his opinions on life. Well, and he doesn't yeah. need validation to a certain degree. So he was able to he was able to create this kind of concept that was 
revolutionary kind of sort of but at the same time because he was just like fuck you i'm 50 i know or I, when he started it i was 60 fuck you i know when I'm, i got time's not on my side his perspective has changed because of the age that he's at yeah so what's interesting is is i know that i started social media i was forging before youtube started I, for, I was working for the Center for Mental Arts after 9-11, a couple years after 9 like 2003. Mm. So 2003, 2000, I think it was like 2004, 2005 is when I started there. So there wasn't YouTube, wasn't as popular as it is. There was no social media. And I remember social media starting while I was at the Center for Mental Arts. And trying, the only reason why I got into it is because I liked the fact that you could communicate with your family and all that stuff, fa Facebook and stuff. The only reason why I got involved with with Instagram is because I got burned by so many galleries that I was like, fuck these people. I had the experiences I have begging for, for help in public relations from a gallery. Fuck these guys. I'm going to do it myself. And that's right. exactly what it came down to. But the, my reasoning for starting in social media was completely because of my experiences, my bad experiences with galleries, you know, basically acting as pimps for me. And so that was Instagram. You, yeah, you, you went right away to Instagram. Yeah, I've been right. on Instagram for like since the since like eleven or twelve years. As 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 Jeff Fader with for, for like with your your sculpture work. Right? I started it for sculpture. I said right. Jeff Fader was sculpture, and then I was showing the shop, and I was doing blacksmithing projects. I was showing lures. I was selling sculpture from. And this is like I'm saying, like I said, 11, 12 years ago, before I ever started knife making. Like if you right. go into jefffader.com, you see Jeff Fader on Instagram, you will see the beginning stages. Like you got to go deep back there. You got to go fucking. You got to flip through there because at one point, like Christmas time, like 10 years ago, I did 21 lure, 25 lures for each day of December. Like I was like, this was how I was making money off Instagram. And it was, but there was the perspective of the, my perspective wasn't because I want to be a content creator. There, that wasn't even an expression no. No. being content creator. And you didn't I just think wanted you'd be to able to make money work. on videos. I wanted to sell, oh, there was, that was, all it was pictures. There were videos. I don't want to do a video. Right. What do I want to right. do a video for? That's true. It was just pictures. When I but started. it's, it's fascinating how it's changed. And the funny thing is, is talking to you and talking to me. It's like, you know, I know I also, the reels, I don't like doing the reels, but I get, but you can't get out of a hole without them. No, that's it. That's right. Yeah. And, and I mean, like after, honestly, after Maker Camp, because there was not very much knife making talk that I had. It was actually a lot of like just content creation talk. Because right. I was talking to guys like uh, Dennis Terrell, yep. uh, Brian House, and these are guys who like, I mean, they're, they're makers, but they're also content creators. And the content seems to be a very big part of their business. I didn't know to what extent, but you know, through talking with them, I was like, "Whoa, okay, damn, that's, you're making okay money on videos." Like that's, and of course, there's tricks and you know all kinds of stuff to learn. It's like a whole other business. The video becomes essentially your product at that point too, right? But man, it's that's a kind of opened my eyes to that whole world. And you know, when I first came back, I was thinking, oh, maybe I should you know start thinking about you know you make a YouTube video and then you cut that up into reels, and it's like you made one thing, but then you got a whole bunch of different. Ways to and I, fuck that. Yeah. I don't want to do it. I just don't want to do it. You I did. Just, you said the right thing. You just yeah. said the right thing. If you don't want to do it, it's not worth it. No, I'm not. I don't get turned on by the idea of of making videos, and you know, like that's just not. I do it, you know, for fun when I'm in the shop and stuff. But like, 
I'm, I, I want to make knives. That's what I want to make. I don't want to make videos. So I'm the, not doing it. The problem is, the problem is, and you know, and I'm going to have both Dennis Terrell and Steve uh, and uh, Steve House. And, and I'm going to have Brian on uh, sooner rather than later. Good guys. Both really great good guys. guys. Yeah. I think Brian's coming on next week and then I'm going to have Dennis on sooner rather than later. Um, the interesting thing is, in, and I can't speak for them, but I think that they've only been doing like social media for the past few years. I mean, Brian, you, he's been documenting, if you listen to the Work For podcast, I remember he was a Knife Talk listener, and he started in by doing a Knife Talk build-along, and he hmm. just decided to YouTube it. And I don't think he was doing a ton. I think he was doing something like something about sail, sailboats and stuff like that. But in terms of as a maker... Like his his rise as a maker in the content game is relatively new, and right. what's crazy is for a guy like him, and I'm like obviously I got to talk to him. I'm speaking, you know, I'm just I'm speculating, is that his rise was so quick because he just hit this perfect vein in regards to the content creation. I'm not willing to do. I'm not willing to do what he is willing to do. No, and 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 although like him and and Dennis both prove that you know, and not to call these guys old, but you know. Like they're if, old. age is not age if you're is not, under if you're over 25 you're old in this but, game but yet you're they old. both managed to create you know big audiences and, and actually managed to like generate make a business for themselves as content creators even though they're yeah I, I would imagine they're both around the same you know in, in their 40s at least anyway right yeah so, um hope I'm not offending anybody nah, don't worry about that <laughs> I'm old and all and it's okay what the other thing that's interesting and, and being being knife talk is really kind of like in this interesting thing because we've been watching we've been watching oh we've been doing knife talk for five years um, the yeah. the rise of companies to fit the needs of people who are getting involved with knife making is like huge oh, that's insane it's amazing yeah i mean lawrence lake perfect example your friend yeah. i mean he he's he's he is all in with podcasts he's sponsoring all the podcasts because all the listeners they all they all buy from him. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know how how well he does, but I mean, he is super duper. I mean, he's a smart guy. He sent me an email. Well, he he's, he does not play. He he knows exactly. He knows every nickel and dime going on. So obviously, it's paying off because sure. I mean, there's so many people who are craving this type of you know these products and the content. And I'm surprised. It's just like it seems as though people can't make shit fast enough. I think. I mean, it, absolutely. I mean, Lawrence is a is a very intelligent guy, and he knows his business very well. I mean, he's an accountant by right. by day, right? So, I mean, like that, he's already got some some real business foundational stuff that a lot of us makers, let's be honest, oh, zero. Don't, don't have. But he what he what he did is he filled a need in the market because so when I started as a knife maker, um, you know, seven eight years ago now, uh, there was one company that had stuff in Canada, and there was no way you were getting everything you needed from them. You you might be able to get you know steel. Right, maybe steel and belts, but you were still. I was ordering from Jantz. I was ordering, you know, from uh, New Jersey Steel Baron directly, and you know, ordering from all these places in the states. And I'm in Canada, so I, I very quickly realized you can't pay shipping and import tax and all this kind of shit on on every single order that right. you make. You're just spending too much money. So luckily, I live next to the border. I got a you know PO box across the line. I'd get stuff shipped there. I'd bring it through the commercial customs on my own. But it's a it's a pain in the ass. Total pain. And now, literally everything, I just get it from Lawrence, and and it's so much easier. He's easy to deal with. Anyway, not to like you know, everybody knows Lawrence is a good guy. No, just to say he he filled a, a, a serious need in the market in Canada, and of course that wasn't necessarily there when I started. So you know, there wasn't there weren't as many people 
making knives in Canada as there are now. So maybe the 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 demand wasn't there back then, and maybe that's why it, it didn't get filled until Lawrence came along and and, and recognized it. But I remember. But yeah. I remember you and I were on the phone a number of years ago. I don't remember how long ago. And you were talking to me about this grinder, a Canadian grinder company who you were going to do business with. Yeah. And I remember feeling feeling like the way you were describing it, it, was, it really was hard in Canada to get stuff. And yeah. the, these companies are, you're just going to, you don't have, you know, the, 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 all the different opportunities you would if you were down here. No, definitely. And the community is, spread so much thinner too so it's not as easy to be like oh there's a you know knife maker who lives 15 minutes from here i'll go check him out and you know see his grinder and and you know see how how that one works and how he likes it or whatever you know like the i do feel i mean it's a lot it's a lot better now than when it, when i was living way the hell up in northern canada where i was right. like about 500 miles from the nearest knife maker but but it's still like that having that community around you really answers a lot of those questions too so um anyway i don't know where the fuck i'm going that's okay that. but it's but it, but but anyway you know it's it's the community in canada has, is getting bigger and bigger and that's great for everybody i would say do you, how fast do you think this community is growing uh well I just mean, not, to, not to sound pessimistic but i do feel like that growth uh, you know, the rocket ship is starting to run out of fuel, let's just say, yeah. you know, to a certain extent, right? Um, I think a lot of people climbed on board. And um, I think that I do feel like it might be nearing its its like peak, at least maybe one of the peaks. Like, I don't know if I don't, I, who's, who knows where it's going to go. But like, um, I do feel like the growth rate must have slowed down. I'm looking at things like uh, used uh, knife making supplies. Oh, really? You know, if you're seeing people selling off their shop, that that's a clue. Look at the price of anvils. The price of anvils has come down. Um, I just I'm looking at clues and I'm thinking. I think I think that it's not going to be as easy as it was for us when we first started. Like for much longer. I mean, and already I'm I'm noticing. Okay, I got to work a little harder to get it, get those sales now than I did when I first started. I don't know if that's just me. Um, but I've talked to other makers about it too, and I think like there's a general feeling that like, hmm, okay, there's a lot of people on this rocket ship, and it might be running out of gas at some point, and that's gonna change the dynamic, you know, a little bit. Have you noticed that business has been a little bit slow lately? Mm-hmm. This yeah, whole definitely. Summer. This whole summer. Well, oh yeah, totally. And and at, I mean, I'm 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 very kind of like reactive by nature, and maybe overreactive, like a lot of a lot of. Um, you know, entrepreneurs tend to like operate on very small data sets. You know, you're like one day you're flying and the next day you think you're going to go out of business and it, you know, the difference might be like a couple of sales yeah. one way or the other. Um, so yeah, I've been, I've been trying to find alternative ways to market my work and, and sell my work. And that sort of means in some ways changing what I do. Um, and, you know, I, I, I just think what it is, is it's not like it's necessarily a bad thing. I think it was just, it was so easy for us. And it gave us this sense that it would always be a real easy road. Like, you know, every time, every knife I made when I started, I'd put it up for sale and it was bam, gone. Yeah. Like, and I'd put out newsletters, and they'd be sold out in like 30 minutes. And I'd be telling people like, this is great. And I had a few people say like, you know, that's not going to last forever, right? And, when would you say that change was? You think? I mean, pandemic was good numbers. Let's face it. Oh 
yeah, my best years. My best years were like 2021, 2022. Um, well, no, 2020 and 2021, I think, were the best years. Anyway, but yeah, after pandemic, I would say it's been like the last the last six to eight months that I've been really starting to kind of go, okay, I better start paying attention to what's happening here. I'm going to have to, you know, be, be, be flexible with how I do things and, um, and maybe actually consider start doing things like what most businesses do, like paying for marketing, (laughs) you know, like, like the fact that I've existed for eight years without literally ever having to pay to promote my business. That's, kind of an indicator that we were in a bit of a bubble, don't you think? A hundred percent. I mean, yeah. we're, we, we've been like on and off talking, getting bids from public relations firms. Yeah. And okay. well, the interesting thing is, and we've like, we've listened, but it's just like, it's just, some of it's not happening. What's interesting is, is that the public relations firms are not trying to compete with Instagram or in social media. What the public relations firms are offering is access to, alternate media so they're the ones who have the huh. connections with the new york times they're, right. they're the ones that have the connections with the morning shows they're the connections who have with uh, magazines and unless you're neil kamamura who's undeniable you know you have to be undeniable in order for you to not get access like right. a, a, neil is in a, he's fantastic he does a lot of he's a, you know regardless of what all the, the charity stuff he does and the supportive stuff he is and the kind of guy he is he's interesting enough that he's gained the he's gained the 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 uh fame that he deserves yeah he doesn't need he doesn't need a public relations firm because you know half no. a million followers is 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 that's better than any pr firm but he doesn't have the access to like you know a Bon Appetit magazine. Sure. So yeah. it's like it's definitely something that we're 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 definitely thinking about. One hundred percent. Well, I think that's smart. I mean, I th- I think you I think you have to because, well, look, I mean, there. I guess it feels like there are two different things that kind of went on in the last year. One was and everybody bitches about this, whether it's real or not, but like the algorithm or whatever, you know, just the fact that our posts are not reaching as many people as they used to. And, and, you know, it seems like there's some truth to it. Why I, I couldn't tell you, but there's this aspect of like, Oh, we're not growing as quickly as we were before on social media. So there's that. And then there's the sort of economic slash, I don't know, like uh supply demand aspect to it, uh, you know, of the actual knife world. Um, but regardless of that, like you, there has to be, if you want to keep going, you got to, you're going to have to find some new way to reach people to buy your work if Instagram's not going to do it for you. And I think they're still out there. And I think I don't think the industry is in any you know danger. I just think that there's there's like a change, a change happening, and you know people are going to have to work a little bit harder to get those sales than they did before. I can give you a little perspective in regards to the algorithm. I've been talking about it, and I talk about it a lot only because I think it needs to be repeated. A lot of times this podcast is like if you're a street performer at a subway stop, and you know, you're know you just like people are getting on and off. Some people listen, some people don't listen. So a lot of times I have to repeat myself only because there are people getting on the subway, people getting off the subway. But in, in the United States, there's this thing called Section 230, which is part of the Communications Act or something like that. And basically what it did was it protected companies like YouTube and Google, or Google and Instagram and Facebook and, and Twitter from being sued for the content on their site. So if you see something like 
terrible, you can't sue Instagram or whatever because Section 230 protects them from okay. the, the the things that are on there, the, the things that are put on their platform by their users. So a number of years ago, there was this uh, murder in France and um, the family of the girl who was murdered. It was uh, ISIS had, you know, whatever, a terrorist attack in regards to this woman. I don't mean to whatever her, but I mean, at the same time, it's <laughs> like, you know, yeah. you, got, you, got, you know what I'm saying. So they claim that the ISIS people who are getting involved with ISIS are, uh, they're recruited on YouTube. And the reason why they're, but that, then you say, then they say, well, Section 230 protects YouTube. Not when it comes to the recommendations. So the argument is when you watch something and then your the algorithm feeds you something new or you like this, so maybe you like this, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden the the platform is is using AI, which isn't really AI. It's it's I had Aaron Goff on last year and he says it's deep learning software. So you can't expect it to be like algorithms being good, perfect. They're deep learning software, so they're still in the infancies of learning. So when something is recommended to you because you watch this, the 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 lawsuit claims that if if you know your algorithm is is recommending me watching something after I've already watched something, then Section two thirty doesn't cover it. Well, there was like a shockwave through a lot of these organizations to basically say, well, we need to make sure that our we have another algorithm that protect makes sure that things you know aren't recommended. Hmm. So. It's just, this is completely, and there's this, this whole self-indulgent, narcissistic thing from knife makers and gun guys who are just like, oh, I'm being shadow bit. Right. Nobody cares about you, my brother. And I'm with, <laughs> I'm with you 100%, but nobody, you're, you think that someone's against you, ain't give a shit about you. You just like, you hit the wrong clicks and the wrong buttons, and then you're being on the non-recommended list. So what's interesting is is they're having to self-police each other, and one of the things is is why not just fucking blanket these this small niche of a niche of a niche? Mm. You know, it's much easier to promote you know girls showing their asses and and you know mukbangs and all that stuff than it is right. to, than it is to like worry about some fucking dork in his shed you know sh- you know cutting newspaper towels in his underwear you know that's yeah and even if you went there for knives three three mukbangs later you forget why you even went right you're just in the fucking rabbit hole at that point well that's i mean one thing about the reels which i don't like doing but i real i'm realizing that i my 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 analytics are completely different is that the only way i can get new views is if i do more culinary content so if i cook if i cook and then the knives just happen to be in there while I'm cooking. I get, I get thousands and thousands and thousands of more maybe new views than I would if I was just the knives. Yeah, and you've been doing that for a while too. You've been including, you've been making, you've been you know keeping the culinary aspect of your of your channel or your feed or whatever the fuck we call it. Um, you know, fairly fairly. I don't know. You muted yourself, my man. I, I spastically smacked my lap. <laughs> it's all right. Well, yeah, it's... N- you've been doing that for a while, though, and 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 I think like that's where a lot of us fall short is we we forget that we should be trying to market our content towards people who might actually buy our shit and not be constantly trying to impress our friends. You know, our friends, yeah, right? Exactly. It's hard. It, it, this is the hard part about the 
maker camp and it being this friendship friendly thing but at the same time you know we where are we going you know and how are we going to do growth and that is the biggest the the biggest issue and i know there are other podcasts i know the work for guys are just like you got to keep doing the keep doing the reels and you got to keep doing the fucking i i'm so i so regret joining tiktok i so regret it (laughs) and they they, i so regret it for so many reasons i'm gonna keep going with it but i fucking i I really legitimately i legitimately dislike it intensely so uh, a lot of Question. I didn't. I didn't know that you were on TikTok. Are you creating content specifically for TikTok, or are you just like whatever you're doing for Instagram, auto sharing it to TikTok? I'm trying to bring it over. The I'm trying to bring. Yeah, I'm. Tr- I'm doing the stuff for Instagram, and then I'm downloading it, and then I'm re-putting it. I'll tell you why I don't like okay. TikTok. Number one is they censor way worse than Instagram. I mean, they're like. I mean, they put it. They put it on you so fast that it'll make your head spin for nothing. Hmm. And then the other thing is, is I, I, when you put on music, they clearly only will give you a minute of a song and it's because they don't fucking pay these goddamn artists. So that was like, that was the biggest red flag of just like, uh, shit, there's taking, they're taking this con this musical content from people. So really? I'm just I like, uh, anyway. I mean, that's the thing about Instagram is they're connected with, uh, with, uh, what what's the what where does the music come it, from? What is it? Spotify? Or yeah, spot. Like that? It's linked to Spotify. Who, who, who still pays artists like fucking peanuts anyway? But but at, at least, least something. something. I and listen, to it. I mean, TikTok's just taking. You know, TikTok's yeah, just really? taking. I didn't know that. I mean, that's that. why you can only get a, a minute of it, a minute of the song. You can only get a minute, and the minute that they you can't even pick your own minute. They give it. They give you the. I mean, I'm assuming this is the only thing I can think of is that they're just not paying the artists. Maybe. And I was like, uh, shit. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I have fucking me and three other mouths to feed. So it's like uh, at some point, you know, being, you know, you got to figure something out. I think you do a really good job of, of balancing or, you know, wearing both hats of artist or maybe you don't like that term artisan or whatever the fuck. And businessman i think i think you you you're a very good example of sort of like riding that that crest of that wave where you're you're staying kind of like limber in a creative sense you know like you're you're still exercising the creative muscle with your work you're not locked into just repeating yourself constantly but you've got a product that is like very well kind of considered and designed for the right kind of price point to maximize the size of your audience or your client base. Anyway, it's just you've, I think you've got a, a sweet spot going on right now, um, which is, you know, it's well, cool you've to see. honored the shit out of me. I mean, I'm, I'm honored that you would say something like that because well, I have such a huge, I have something such a huge fan of everything you do. Well, listen, let's not, uh, let's not choke. On, on it here, but you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. I was gonna say, you know, jerk each other off, but I mean, you want to say, choke, whatever, whatever you want. It's, but I get you, man. I know what you're saying, but no, listen, I think like that's 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 the hardest thing, I think, yeah. for for all of you know, for all of young makers is to figure out like, how do I still, how do I still, you know, exercise the the the, the creative muscle, but you know, be making things that I know I can sell. I know that I do on a regular basis, I'll be making a knife and I'll be thinking to myself. There's no fucking way I'm going to sell this thing, or, or or not easily. But I'm still letting myself do it. You know, I, I I may be a little too easy on myself with that. And I and I bet you you don't take as many 
you know, I, I bet you're not you're not as easy on yourself. With that kind of stuff. Uh, well, it's interesting that you bring this topic up because I was going to ask you, do, are, ha, because of the way things have been in the last eight nine months, let's say eight nine months, yeah. have you made changes to your designs or offered things because? of you're hoping that you're able to hit a different market, a dim different demographic. Yeah. So like, I mean, there's a few examples. Uh, I don't know if it was the last time that we, you know, did a podcast together or, you know, one of the earlier times, but one of the goals that I've had ever since I started making knives was to be making, you know, knives that are at a very like high level of, you know, basically time, super time intensive projects, you know, like, Lots of Damascus and mosaic and integral this and, you know, like, you know, trying to make like really fancy knives like that, you know, really creative stuff. And that's been a goal of mine for a long time. And I feel like, you know, last was it like a year ago or a little over a year ago, getting connected with eating tools. And it was like an opportunity for me to start to do that kind of work. Um, but. Of course, as the market starts to, I don't know whether the market's drying up or the, you know, the economy or whatever, but the slowdown, let's just say, it's affecting everybody, right? I mean, right. it's kind of it's across the board. And, and so if I realize I don't want to be as reliant on needing, let's say, a dealer to sell my work and having to you know, wait for that work to sell before I can create more work for that said dealer or whatever, I just right. realized like, okay, I need to make sure I maintain at least a, a solid control of a large percentage of the income that I'm able to generate here. And that means not that kind of shit, not the high end fancy stuff. Cause like, you know, with my newsletter sales, there's kind of a cap. Like I've noticed that there's sort of like a, right about right around a thousand bucks. It starts to get a really hard to sell a knife. Right. You know, unless and, all of a sudden there'll be someone in the middle of the night and then you'll wake up and be like, Whoa, shit. Yeah, yeah, that happens. Yeah, Absolutely. That happens. It just takes longer. Right. And and, and and so and I hate having stock. Like I hate having a knife sitting around the really? I do not like I want I want to be I want it out the door the second the fucking finish is dry on the handle, I want it gone. I just I part of me feels like, you know, the longer it sits around, the the less love I have for it. Because I, I you know, I turn on my work so quickly. Like it I love it. The second it's done, and the next day I come in, I'm like, yeah, you, <laughs> you know, get out of here. I love it. Um, so, like my, yeah, I, there's no resting on laurels for me. It's like a, it's a momentary high, and then an immediate like low. But um, so, I, yeah, I don't, I don't like having stuff sit around, and so I would rather focus on things that I know, you know, can sell more quickly. And I think that there's um, there's a sort of a sweet spot price point that I think you more or less operate in and that I was for the most part operating in for the first five years. And then I, I think somewhat foolishly abandoned it. I kind of was like, eh, stainless steel stock removal is not exciting. I want to do, you know, right. fucking forged mosaic, blah, 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 blah. And, and I think to a certain extent that was sort of like um, a bit of a selfish move because like I was talking to a, a – just last night actually I was talking to a customer who bought one of my newer works and he was like, you know, my favorite knife is still that diamond grind Guto that you made like, you know, four years ago. Just, you know, stock removal AEBL. Yeah. And he was like, you know, I hope you make more of those. And I was like, yeah, I kind of gave that up. But why? Why did I give that up? Well, it's just because it was kind of eh. – it's kind of boring. You know, it's just like I'd done a bunch of it and I just wasn't that psyched about it anymore. Well, that's not the businessman hat. Right. That's the fucking spoiled artist hat, you right. know? Um, I got to put the businessman hat on again now that times are a little bit more challenging, let's say. 
And I, so that's what I've been trying to do. So, you know, get back to my roots to a certain extent, but with maybe a bit of a twist. Like I've been doing Forged Stainless. I've been playing around wow. with that ever since um, the summer. I, so I went this summer I went down to uh, the New England School of Metalwork, their hammer in, and Matt Parkinson did a demo on how he forges AEBL. And huh. I was like, this, this was one of the main things that I went there for. I really wanted to see this demo. And I kind of, you know, picked his brain afterwards. And he's a great guy, super knowledgeable. Super good dude. And luckily also Josh Prince was there. So you better believe I fucking bugged yeah. the shit out of him and <laughs> picked his brain because he knows a lot about forging stainless too, of course. And so, yeah, came home from that, started, started experimenting and um, finally feel like I've got the knack finally feel like I've got it figured out, and so I'm offering now, you know, stainless steel knives that are a little bit more expensive than a stock removal blade because obviously there's a bit more time put into it with the forging, but that's a bit of like a new twist on, on I guess like an old product for me, you could say, and that's something that I sort of consciously decided to do because I felt like I could offer that at a price point that was, you know, more manageable, and I was hoping that that might, you know be a better move business-wise currently. I mean, I we've, for the past, I mean, since I've been with my business partner, we've been trying to talk about what, he always wants me to have more expensive knives in stock. Okay. And because one, selling one, it's great. I mean, it's unbelievable. And it, it, what's interesting is, is I've never been, I've never been, I, and it kills me, but at the same time, I'm kind of okay with it. When I put a newsletter out, there are times where nothing goes, mm-hmm. and we have a good we have a we have a lot of repeat business. A lot of times, and I have I mean we have now in stock over a hundred knives uh, in the wow in, okay. Well, we I mean we, we, that's that was the plan. I mean the plan was to right. and 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 I'm they're all in boxes. They're ready to go. They're ready to ship, and that's we're trying to we've been doing. I've been tr- slowly slowly trying to make more in less expensive knives, and I'm always figuring out it's always the labor. It's never the materials, always the labor. So we've been offering, and also there are people who are knife makers who want one of my knives, but they don't want to spend $400, $500 for it, $300 for a knife. So we've been doing more of these little, that whole skeletonized, that whole uh, skeletonized knife that's been a really good little little guy for us i mean it's based on the bull elk right right yeah it's just a smaller version and then when i when i did when i did the when i did the skeletonized version i didn't want i I made jokes to people like you know you see a lot of people with skeletonized knives and they got the holes where the scales are supposed to go so i was like if i'm going to design it i'm going to design it with the holes for not for scales but just for the design so i like made the holes kind of like you know going past where all the things are and there you know you wouldn't put right. corbys in you can't I and mean, one of them is so small it's like a 16th of an inch so it was like i tried to make it the design and it, and it, it offered us a way to um have something less expensive like the small ones are 150 bucks and then the big ones right. are 175 bucks or something. I don't remember that's what they such a good, I mean, that's so reasonable for, for a hand well, knife. I mean, not everybody can afford it, but... No, but, of I mean, course. I, I mean, if it was up to me, I mean, the, the funny thing is with anything, like, 
I make jokes about how much I hate merch. Merch is the worst. And night there, I remember meeting a knife maker who says, "I know, I know that I'll have made it when I have my own T-shirt." And I just want to say, bro, that having your own T-shirt is not going to like buy. You know, you're not going to buy your mansion off of T-shirts unless you're, you know, unless you're no. someone wild. But I mean, it's the funny thing is being able to have something that people can buy and it being a value to us is totally different. So we figured out, and thanks to, a big thanks to uh, Matt Gentry. Matt Gentry kind of helped me out with the, I've been always wanted to do the uh, the stone wash finish, and the stone wash finish really is a great finish on these little knives, and then hand sanding's over. You know, hand sanding's out, and it's just been right. one of those things. And it all, and it, a lot of it stems from the fact that I would see the newsletters go out, and we'd put a lot of information and put a lot of, hope into it and then monday you know put them out friday and then monday come around and we'd have a kind of meeting and i'd be like this fucking weekend sucked i gotta figure something out you know oh, like it's, you it's know it's hard yeah you it's hard you put, man so you put so much work into not only making the work making the knives but then presenting it right. in a way that you know you think will be accessible and interesting and and you know and then you hit click send on that fucker and you send it out to all those people and then you sit back and Man, nothing just, happens that's just hard dude that's i mean coming back on monday from that i know that feeling and it sucks well the the part that sucks is well you, he, what we've done is is like i really didn't want to do these the funny thing about our newsletter is is i've just kind of like i write them and i just have started to spiral and the spiraling in the funniest way like the last and i'll i hate people who put on inspirational quotes so i do the most ridiculous quotes of all time sometimes we'll make the quote up and attribute it to the wrong person but they'll be ridiculous and then i'll write and then in the middle of writing i'll say i don't think anybody's reading this now and then i'll just start talking about how miserable <laughs> i am writing this and i'm just i know that you're just going to scroll past all this and i'll write this like re totally ridiculous newsletter and this isn't like those fucking bullshit you know b boilerplate newsletters and i'm just trying to pop by bypass time because i know i have to get back to work and allison's waiting for me to write i'll do scream stream of consciousness right. and it's funny well, that's but it's cool. like we're I mean, doing anything it's like we an can. easter egg well, that's the thing. It's I'll end up getting so many messages from people who like the newsletter because they right. know that it's not going to be your standard thing. It's like you have to do whatever it takes in this game to just like to just keep. I just want. I don't feel the need to be. And I'm. This is going to be another speculation. I don't know what's going on with Alex Steele. You don't see him as like you used to. Hmm. I I don't. You don't see him on social media like you used to. That's for sure. I don't know if he got tired of it. I don't know if it was too much for him. I don't know anything. I'm going to try to get him back on at some point. I don't know anything about it. But the fact is, is all I can think of is I'll bet it was a little bit too much to hold to just keep the ball rolling in, oh, that, in that direction. It's got to get so hateful after a while because you become such a slave to it. You become like, a slave to it. I get it. I mean, I... I that's I, I, I see it happening so it keeps me from even starting down that path because I think my tolerance for it is you know particularly low um yeah but, but you know and no, it's your no. age too it's your yeah, perspective it's my, yeah, it's my age too i, I had old, yeah. i had alec on a number of years ago right when he moved back to the uk i had him on and i said i can imagine that the the alec steel machine it's this boulder that keeps rolling downhill and he goes exactly right 
I he has to pay his videographer and he's got to keep to coming up with the ideas and you got to keep going and when you get to the point when you're in social media where you have to go on your stories and say yeah sorry I haven't been here in a while let me just tell you what's going on that's when you feel as though you're compelled to have to do something you're compelled to tell your your listeners and your followers have been what happened to so and so he's got to make an announcement it's well I hope he's okay and I don't want to get involved. That I just want to like. I want to just keep going. In a, I don't need to go. I don't have to have high highs. I don't have to low lows. I just want to right down the middle with a little yeah. bit of growth. Yeah, a little bit of growth. Definitely. I just want to keep being. I just want to be able to keep doing what I'm doing. Like it. I don't even need it to. I mean, I don't need a huge amount of success. I just really just want to. I don't want to rock the boat too much. I want to be able to keep making cool knives that I enjoy making. That I think other people are going to enjoy and. You know, this quiet little country life, you know, in this shitty old workshop out in the middle of nowhere. I just want to keep doing it. I just, that that's my goal. Well, what's success to you? Because that's that. an interesting conversation. Because it's interesting, the concept of success. And everyone has a different opinion. Everyone has a different opinion about what success actually is. And so what is your, in your, in your mind, what's success? So I, I've never been financially motivated. Um, I've always really just hoped that I could find a way to make money doing something that I liked. And it took me a long time to really, you know, figure out what that was. Um, and I think, you know, I, some of that I got from, from my, my parents, you know, my father pretty well, uh, always did that, you know, always pursued his interests and, and somehow managed to find a way to make money doing it. But it was almost like that was an afterthought. It was almost like, right. Oh yeah, I guess I should, you know, find a way to support this new interest by, you know, by making a little bit of money with it. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, my, what success to me is more or less what I've got now. But I think what my, the anxiety that I have around my knife making business is not, oh no, it's not growing fast enough or it's not growing, you know, it's not, it hasn't reached the size that I wanted it to be. It's more just like, please don't take this away. Right. You know, it's right. just like, please let me keep doing this and allow me to like sell enough knives that I don't have to go and fucking get a job. You know, that's, yes. that's, and I hope that's not fucking too much to ask. And that's, I don't think it is, but I mean, <laughs> you know? that is a real, that is a real, that's a real good answer. Well, that's, that's, that's it. I mean, that's the truth. I mean, you know, sucks to be married to me because I'm not going to be bringing in the big bucks anytime soon. But well, luckily, my wife understands that too. So. But she loves you. Well, yeah, and, she, and and you know what? She recently also changed jobs, and she's to get, she's making half as much as she did before, but she's three times as happy. And you know what? That's all that fucking matters at the end of the day. I don't care. I don't care how much we make. I just you, want us to be happy. You talk to you about your father, and I'll I'll, I'll just kind of give you. A, my father was a very very wealthy man. And he was a winemaker, and he was real in real estate, and he ended up marrying a woman who really didn't like me and my sisters at all, and he poisoned the relationship between our, our father and us, and ultimately, when he passed away, everything was was everything was taken. Everything. I'm not going to go too far into it, but it was like it was very clear we weren't going to get anything, which is fine. Mm. I never really asked for him for anything. I just wanted his love, honestly. And I never hocked him in China for money. I never was a. I wasn't a prince. I was always worked. My first job was 
picking up dog shit on the street and it was still to this day the best hourly wage I've ever paid, got paid <laughs> which is fucking crazy the fucking cry picked up dog shit on the streets of New York I picked up dog shit on the streets of New York I could do this one street from Lexington Avenue to Fifth Avenue it was the tree pits you know where the pits where all the trees are in the oh world, yeah, you know? yeah so I would clean those out once a week and I got it down to 45 minutes for a week's worth for a for one at one session and they would pay me uh 75 bucks for that 45 minutes and this is how long ago this is a while when i was ago. a kid when i was like yeah. in, when i was in junior high so that's and then sweet that was sweet and then better than that i i got asked to do i got off i somebody pitched my name to clean the tree pits on park avenue you know the the, the oh not the tree pits but the you know the islands on Park Avenue. If you've seen pictures of New York City, Park Avenue has these like it's like a, medians. It, yeah, these long medians with between like yeah, and shit in them. with yeah. flowers. flowers They're and iconic. Stuff. So from 54th Street to 79th Street, I would have a stick with the spike on it in a bag, and I would clean the bullshit off the off those things, and I could do that in an hour. So f- and I'd get 150 dollars for that. So I was making like 200 some odd dollars a week for doing an hour and a half worth of work. But I was picking up shit. I was picking up dog shit. And the thing is, is like, so so with my father, he had a small business and in, in, he was uh, the pioneer of, of this winemaking, special type of, this special winemaking in the Hudson Valley. And for me, success has always been, and when, when, you know, when he died and everything was left to his wife and his wife hated us and we're just whatever, it's, it is what it is. You know, we're not, it is what, it made me a better person ultimately. I never, you know, I was never like, waiting for the you know checks to be sent in and you know basically we were just left alone and which is fine it made me a better person but my motivation now is to do it on my own and that's that's what this company success well success for me is like i have this i've already i'm already my kid is happy in college and we have figured out a way to pay for it ourselves my wife and i have been saving since she was born and with 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 merit scholarship too, we figured it out. She will go through college fine, and we will foot the bill. But the success for me is, I'd like to make more money. That this business is very is does well enough that I can bring everybody up with me, the people right. who work with me. I want to make sure that my business partner and I are like compensated for the work we put into this. I want to be able to give more to the people who have helped me, including my wife, which is number one. That to me is success. I'm not asking for like a Bugatti or a fucking, you know, all this crazy stuff. I just want to be able to financially thank the people who are involved with this business and thank the people who have been supportive of me. Yeah. That to me is success. Pretty pretty humble, pretty realistic, you know, goals. I mean, not easy by any stretch, but no, but not greedy either. You know, that's a, Pretty, and not too like head in the clouds. Like that's, I think that's totally realistic. I mean, and it, you're clearly on the path. Man. Well, who knows? But it, the funny thing is, is my father was really, my, one of the things that my father was really good at was saying these crazy things in newspapers. So like my sisters and my, and I have all really kind of learned from him how to say something that gets put in a paper. Mm, okay. Like, so, so there's a lot of similarities still going on. And the funny thing is, is now I think about my father and his businesses and especially his winemaking business, which is not too dissimilar to the knife making, because he was a pariah in his in the in the winemaking industry because he started it at a later age, and then he 
was a pioneer of, of this white wine in, in the Hudson Valley, which is not the optimal place to be growing white wine. Mm-hmm. And I feel as though I have a little bit of that too within the knife making game, except for I almost have a little bit too much. I always have a too much uh, valid. I'm almost too much street cred in the knife game. Like I kind of wish I was a little bit more of a piece of garbage like my father because then I could really know what it's like. He was an outsider, and I don't think I'm an outsider anymore. But uh, no, no, you're not an outsider. Yeah. Definitely not. No, you're you're pretty much sitting right in the middle. I mean, it's weird. The whole thing's bizarre, and I I, I guess you know. Pers- once again, perspective is one of these things that I think about when I think about content creation. I don't. I, I think my, my father started a business and he worked the business and he got in magazines and he got into newspapers and he didn't feel like he had to stop everything to shuck and jive for a reel or a video, you know, and then pick right. songs out for background music and shit like that. He had a product that he sold and he sold it. And a part of me is just like, I'm not going to go down that line of, I did in the beginning, I, I, well, a couple like in the, earlier in the year, I was just like, all right, I'm going to just show the shop more. And then I was like, am I selling knives? Or am I fucking, you know, am I doing, am I Alex Steele Jr.? You know, it's like, I don't think I want to do that. I don't think I want to do that. But yeah, at the same well, time, how am I going to get new fucking people? Well, that's it. But like you, you know, like you were saying before, which people do you want? I mean, you know, are the people who buy chef knives interested in seeing what your, you know, dirty shop looks like? Maybe some. But I think probably more are interested in the other kind of videos that you're doing. Yeah. The, the food stuff. Like, that makes the most sense. Um, I mean, that's that's a pretty pretty neglected um, aspect of, of my marketing, certainly. Like, Christ, I mean, I, I, cook, I cook supper every night for my family, but I don't ever, you know, think to... Maybe part of it is I just, like, I want to keep it separate. Like, for me, you know, home life versus... Work life is very like pu- private versus public in right. some ways, and I guess I'm just kind of like I don't want to be doing reels in my kitchen. Yeah, you know, I understand. With my kids, and I just I I don't want to. That's just not how I want to do it. You know. Well, with, it's interesting that you say that too because um, I had the opportunity. Like I have a I have a few within a mile of my shop. I could bring my knives to, and do a reel with professional chefs, and yeah, what I right. always felt as though which is my father when he would when people would come to the winery to talk about his ask about his wine a lot of them would feel very sheepish and say well you know i don't have really a palate and i don't know about good wine and my father would say to them if you like it it's good wine don't he and he would say i'm not gonna just talk normal when i talk normal it comes from him he's just talk normal just give the people what they want just talk normal you don't have to if you like it it's good i'm not gonna have i don't have to give you a million things so I, what I try to do with the cooking is, is this is how I cook for home. This is what I cook for my family. I, I, this is not tweezer food. I'm not right. going to plate it like a professional chef. I'm cooking for somebody at home because the people that I'm looking to sell to are people at home who just want to cook for their family. And like, that, that's your client base. That's And that hopefully, makes perfect sense, man. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, I mean, that's real. That's I just, real. I just got on a pot. I did on a, I got, went on a uh, restaurant. Uh, podcast. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't know when it's coming out, but it, it was actually really, really good. And but it was interesting because, like, it the, you know the 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 interviewer was a professional chef, and and um, the 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 pro the production assistant or the the production manager was a, a, a chef, and everyone was chefs, and they didn't know anything about knives. Like, 
they didn't know. I mean, they were and they were asking good questions like, all right, here's the, the, my chance to, you know, enlighten them. But what, what was interesting was, was, you know, professional chefs, a lot of them have zero, 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 zero information about what a, sh what a chef knife, how they're made or what the reasoning is. We were, I mean, I was like, I love the questions because they were good for the audience, but I was just like, bro, you don't know this part? Hmm. You don't know, you don't know that? What are, you, what are you crazy? But then at the same time, it's like they all, none of them know. Right. And I, I mean, I wonder if there's less, because it's part of their job, there's less fetishism involved, right? Like right. if you're a home cook and it's a, a kind of a sacred ritual to make food for your family, then, then like those implements take on like an almost sacred, uh, you know, aspect to them. But like if you're working as a, you know, mechanic, you're not glorifying your wrenches and be like, ah, this way, the way this one was made or whatever the fuck, you know what I mean? So maybe. Maybe, it, maybe it's something like that. I don't know. I'm just hypothesizing. I think it's fascinating. I think the whole, I, I, I'm, a, I'm appreciative of the fact that you say that you think that there's like a, the bubble is bursting. <laughs> and because I, you know, I talk to Tomer Botner almost every day. And okay. he, his number his in Spain, well, his Spain, in Spain, I mean, his numbers are not too far off from anybody else's. I talk to Jared Thatcher every so often. Globally, all of our numbers and the highs and the lows are all around the same. You know, mm. and even I was listening to work for a podcast and Brian was just talking about the, the ebbs and flows of the economy in general and like the things are slow now. And like, I never really thought that this business would be one of those things where it's like everyone's in the same boat. You know, I always thought like, well, obviously there's a m millions of different customers and how come it, how is it this, how is this all trending to be the same? Like I talked to, I talked to, uh, to, to Tomer and over the past couple of years, I mean, our numbers just month to month were in the, the ratio was exact. You know, mm -hmm. it was like, I just don't understand it. I just don't understand it at all. Well, I mean that, I mean, I can see like how. Certainly, over the course of a year, you're going to have seasons. You know, there there are times of year where you're going to have more sales than other. Obviously, right? And everybody, I think, kind of experiences that similarly. And I mean, maybe there's some maybe there's some um, encouragement that can be taken from what you just said because I think a lot of knife makers might be thinking, like, it's maybe, me. Maybe I'm it's just me. garbage. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. we all have a tendency to kind of think like. Maybe maybe my just like nobody wants my work anymore. It's weird, but, you know, the fact that you're saying that everybody seems to be feeling it, and that that was the, that was the kind of experience that I had too, is that everybody's kind of in the same boat that way. Um, make you know that lets us know that it's something, it's something a bit bigger than that. It's not just about you know the individual maker. It's about maybe the economy. It's maybe about the fact that, I mean, look, let's be honest. Ten years ago, people weren't crazy about handmade knives the way that they have been. You know, it, it it wasn't always there. Well, it's because I mean, there's was, no way to see them. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 there's, I'm sure there's, but it's a, I mean, it's a question of fashion, I guess, is what I'm right. you know, really trying to get to. Is that like this whole handmade trend started, um, I guess, maybe kind of coincidentally coincide, coinciding with like the sort of green movement and stuff. You know, like I'm just thinking back, like 15 years ago or so, is when people started going, oh, I want the handmade version of that item. I want the handmade version of that item, and it was like. This appreciation of, you know, like, let's not buy mass-produced stuff. Let's buy the nicer quality one that's going to last for a long time and it's made by hand and maybe it, you know, saves the fucking planet or whatever. But there's this, been this, like, fairly steady interest in handmade stuff for a while. And I think, you know, the knives just kind of were 
swept up in that. It was like, again, another one of those products that became sort of fashionable to have like an elevated version of your kitchen knife is a high-end knife. And I mean, like all fashion, it comes and goes. It's in and out. And, and it, might be, it might come back. And if it got really big, well, then even when it starts to like go out of fashion, there's still going to be more of it left over residually than there was before it came into being. But it's not going to be as big as it was before. And there's still going to be enough of a market for people to 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 exist in there, but maybe not for everybody. Unfortunately, you know, there might not be there might not be enough air for everybody here. But you know who? But but it's almost I I wonder I wonder because it has to be because I mean obviously if people aren't going in newspapers like I I every, the only times I ever get in, into publications now is I get asked as and I hate doing it but at the same time I'm not going to say no is I'll be asked to be the knife expert to talk about electric sharpeners okay you know? right and, yeah and it's just like if Savor somebody's doing an article for Savor magazine about electric sharpeners and they want me to be the guy I don't want to do it, but I'm going to do it because yeah. it's like I got to get my fucking shit in Savor regardless. And I'm now on this like fucking slow moving gerbil cage of doing these like, you know, what do you th what's your favorite magnet board? I that one I did a couple months ago. And then the worst part about it is I have to write the whole goddamn thing and I never get credited. They'll what they do now, here's how bad the media is. Send you a list of questions. You got to write you, out your answers. You know a yeah, lot totally. of questions, and yeah. they're so. It's like, how do you make a knife? Oh my god, where the fuck do you start? Yeah, and what's the difference between you know? It's just like it. It, it becomes a a tome. I mean, it becomes a tome when you answer, and then you and then you also think to yourself, don't. You have to be a little bit articulate because you want them to write what you wrote. You want them to quote you. You know. Yes. So you got to be a little bit more. You got to be a little bit more flexible and don't just like say yes. <laughs> you got to like fucking make them want to cut and paste what you said and put it in. But this at That's the end. That's it. The, you're writing their article. For you're them. writing their article, but you don't get credited as the writer. Right. No. You know, and it's so it's just so that's that's number one. And then but then at the same time, it's just like I wonder if the reason why a lot of us and a lot of us are friends through social media, we're just the people are just getting on the our customer base are aging out of social media. Hmm. Yeah. You know, because our be customer too. base is is over 25. Let's say our customer base is over. Th Let's just be honest and say our customer base is most likely thirty to, you know, thirty to fifty. Probably somewhere in there. Somewhere yeah. in there. Yeah. A lot of them are probably had it. They're probably had it with the reels. Maybe they're just like I don't, don't really want to watch this shit. Yeah, could be. I know in, in my case also, like you know, I have I have a lot of repeat business, but that eventually comes to an end too, right? I right. mean, somebody's bought seven knives from me. It's enough is enough. Like enough is, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it. I mean, like, you know, there's only so many people who you like enough to buy a knife for as a gift. And there's only so many you need for, for home. So at a certain point, you know, that, that contact as great as it has been, you know, is not going to be doing as much for you um, as it was. And so I think for me, I've noticed fewer people are, are fewer new customers and that for me that's like that was the sign about like i think it was about eight months ago or so i was like hmm not a lot of new like newsletter signups not a not, not a lot of new followers right 
not seeing a lot of new names when I do sell knives. I'm seeing a lot of the same names. Me too. And, and I'm like, that's great and everything, but I know that they're going to fucking, that's going to dry up eventually. I got to see some new names in there or we got a problem. Um, yeah. So, I mean, what do you do? You start making like mini knives, right? Oh, we got to talk about the mini knives. But I wanted to, but I, what I wanted to say was, is I'm starting to see you know, our, our Christmas, we got a giant Christmas order. There are two big, our two last big orders were referrals. One of them was a company that we'd worked before, and then another one was a, a big set, a, a big, a couple big sets that were from friends of a friend. So it's like, you just never know. I, you never know. But what, what yeah. I, but at the same time, it's just like I think, I think that the key is is slow and steady wins the race. Absolutely, and that we just nobody should panic, and you should just be. I think I think ultimately adversity is good for you because it does make you come up with ideas and designs that maybe will fit within the confines of what you're what you are hoping to do. Yeah, stay flexible, stay nimble. You know, yeah. like, like don't be overly reactive, but but you know, be thinking about all these things. Um, read the signs, you know, like all those things. Just you know, like. I, I do think that hard work is definitely part of the equation, but you can't just be like, well, I'm just going to put my head down and just keep doing what I've been doing, and I'm not going to you know, adapt, and I'm not going to change. That That may not be the answer. You, you, there may be a little bit of like pivoting required. And or, and, you know, and doing things you might not want to do. Yeah, yeah. You know, I you mean, know? are you in business? Yeah. Well, then you're going to have to... Maybe Tick, do, do that shit that's fucking, not as much fun. It's like TikTok. <laughs> do, <laughs> do, I mean, yeah, do your dance, bud. I mean, Get on TikTok. I mean, I got to pull my pants down or something. Make some stock removal knives, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. Do what you can do. Tell, I have, I am, you were so generous to give me one of your mini knives, oh, which God. I love. And I am shocked. You're a tall person. You're a big guy. You're much bigger than I am. And <laughs> all I can big. think of is how the fuck did his fingers, were his fingers able to make this knife? Talk to yeah. me about the beginning stages in, of the mini knife. So the mini knife was just a, I mean, I, I don't want to say it was a joke because I did take it, I did take it seriously because like, like w- once I get interested in anything, I, 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 I take it pretty seriously. But it was, so I don't know if you've ever heard of this guy, Yvon Vachon. Yvon Vachon, who shares the same last name as me and comes from Quebec, he is like the godfather of miniature knives. Like if you win an award for best miniature at Blade Show, you win the Yvon Vachon Award huh. for miniature knives. And when I first started making knives, everyone who was like old guard, people who'd been in the business a while, asked me, are you related to him? Because, you know, the same last name. And right, I guess and he's kind of There aren't that many other, you know, knife makers with that last name from Quebec especially. So... I didn't know who he was, and I, you know, like looked into it, and 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 you know, he's really interesting story. He's he's passed away now, but his work is incredible. Like he, this, he, he was making like perfect proportioned Swiss Army knives that would fit on a dime. Wow! And like you need a microscope to look at it, but when you look at it, what's so uncanny is that the thicknesses, the tolerances, the like everything is proportionally perfect, and so. I was really fascinated by his work, and part of me always thought, well, at some point I'm going to have to try a miniature. Like it's, you know, I've got the last name and everything, so you know, gonna, I'm going to do it at some point. Um, and I, you know, it's just it was like I was in the shop, I was working on some forge stuff. I was sick of being fussy, and I had a couple hours left in the day, and I was like, well, try it. 
so I just banged one out and it was super fast and it was really satisfying to make and I I just dug the the scale of it like I really like getting down into the macro um and I posted a couple videos and man it like it it totally revitalized the you know the interactions or whatever on my Instagram page which had been you know kind of stale recently and so I thought well shit if people are interested in this I'm doing more, man. I'm just going to lean into it. I thought, I think it was you at one point on a podcast said you got advice from, I don't know, Chris Zepp or owner Kaglar or whatever. One of them was saying, lean into it. You know, like if you do something goofy on a video and it fucking goes uh, viral or whatever, like just suck it up and lean into it. Right. And so I thought, okay, I'm just going to lean into it. So yeah, so I started getting into it and then started taking it kind of seriously. Um, and, um, Shit, man, people really wanted those knives. I made a batch of 30 of them, 28 of them, something like that, and sold them all like really fast. Wow. And, yeah, and which I didn't expect at all. But um the process of making them was really fun, like going through all my wood cutoffs and trying to find like the tightest little burl eyes, you know, like <laughs> so that not only was like the proportions of the blade like you know, proportionally correct or whatever, but I was trying to find wood that had figure that was proportionally correct as tiny well. figure, tiny figure, you know? And oh so like, I really God. got like really deeply into it um, and had a lot of fun making, you know, and, and, and it was good cause it got me some uh, content and, you know, people got into it. And funny enough, most of the people who bought the knives were other makers, which I totally wouldn't have guessed, but um, you know, that was, that was cool too, because I guess for them it was a way to, you know, get a chance to own a piece of my work, like you were saying, with your, you know, skeletonized um, bull elk knives. You know, it's something in a price range, a price range that's more accessible um, for somebody who just wants to, like, own a piece of your work. Um, so you were heat treating them and everything? Yeah, yeah, it was 60, like, 61 Rockwell Nitro V, man, sharpened. <laughs> Uh, like <laughs> razors, just little razors. You know. Did you cry on them too? Yeah. Oh my. Full How, deal. Did you, did you have to make like? Because they're if for the listener, these aren't like. I made a joke saying this would be the knife for like Hezbollah. It's too small for Hezbollah. No, no, yeah, it's too small for anything. It, you could you could keep it in your in your turban or something maybe. But but how, but would you? I mean, did you have to make like special? tongs to get it out of the oven because my tongs would be too big to pick it out pick them up so here's the here's the the, the full disclosure they were 1 16th stock knife blanks full-size knife blanks that i had abandoned because i realized that i didn't want to make 1 16th thick chef knives yeah so i'd already made and heat treated the steel so it was just a question of cutting out Cutting oh, okay. that block into smaller pieces, and I had enough of them that I was like, "Okay, this is perfect. They're already heat treated. They're already hardened, and all I have to do is basically reprofile them into smaller blades." So I will be having to cross that bridge when I do the next batch of like tongs, yeah, <laughs> tiny tongs, tongs. tiny tongs. That would be so uh, funny if you make like tiny tongs and then like a tiny doer. I mean, <laughs> if one sixteenth stock is so thin, it would probably be just as easy to like literally just cut strips that are like the height from heel to spine and just heat treat the strips and then just chop them up and profile them. Cause like the profiling on it is even that full hardness, it's still, 
it's still pretty quick. It's still pretty easy how to do you, profile them. How do you hold? Because it's a, it's it's not a full tang knife. It's a hidden no. tang knife. How do you hold them so you can on on the grinder? And are you are you using a small contact wheel to grind them or? I am using um, flat platen with a work rest, and I'm using a push stick. It's like a modified push stick that I made, sort of like it, it tapers down to a it's very like a small toothpick. point. Yeah, <laughs> it's really couple, small. It has a big part that I hold on to, but then it gets really small. And then what I realized is I basically I leave the tang the same width as the ricasso okay. while grinding. Okay. So I have more to hold on to. So basically... The blanks look like I'm making um, like a full tang, basically. Okay, okay. But then after I've ground the bevels, then I go ahead and make the tangs. Because, yes, otherwise, literally the tang is, it's like a 16th by slightly more than a 16th, you know? So you're not, there's no control when you're holding that little tiny tang. Um, no, of course. But, you know, but, the, you know, the, the, the upside is like, as, as far as like products go, uh, Material cost is like basically nothing. Zero. Uh, <laughs> but um, it's like I, then, are they, and then all of a sudden I can think as I know your bro, your belt finish is the best in the game in the in the in the culinary knife game. Oh, well, it's not. How, but thank you. Wow. In my opinion, it is. Are well, you, you ever afraid that when you put that Scotch Bright belt on, you're gonna fucking send that little knife into your foot? <laughs> I've got it. I'm. I've got the pressures dialed in pretty good. Like, yeah, Scotch Bright can be can be dangerous, but I was using. Not brand new belts because brand new okay. belts really grabby. Oh, right? dude! Oh so, my god! Yeah. So older belts that are like still have some life left in them. Um, the the nice thing is like the blade is so small that I mean one the pass. Blade is, the blade's like two inches or something like that, or yeah. maybe not even. So it, it's really quick. Like grinding them is super quick. Um, it still requires all of the skill that I've developed over the years to make full size knives. Like there's no way just because it's small that somebody. Who's never made one could be like, oh, I'll just I could make you know bang that out. Like it, it what's cool is that all the the stuff that I've learned how to do over the last seven years allows me to make these, and and I'm you, you know I'm relying on that same skill sets exactly. It's just that it happens so much more quickly because there's so much less material to, to work. So like shaping the handles is all the same stuff that I do for the big one, just on a tiny little piece. And so it's like you're cutting in those you know chamfers, and it's like zip, and you're basically there. So um, it's 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 fun, man. I I, I I really had a lot of fun making those. And, and then uh, because the handles are so beautiful and they're so everything is so crisp and clean. It's all belt. It's all off the belt. No hand sanding. I mean, if you tried to hand sand that thing, you just round it over. Oh yeah, yeah, right. You know, yeah. so you have to you have to just leave it. At and like it's it's a razor blade sharp. How do you sharpen it? Well, so I mean, it's kind of like sharpening the. You know the, oh the tip of a paring knife, kind of. You know what I mean? Like it, it's, um, it's, yeah. I mean, you, or sharpening a pocket knife, right? It's kind of like a, it's about the size it's of like a small. Than a po- it's uh, it's like it's, it's the like the little blade is, on a on the a, scissors. On a Swiss Army knife. Kind it's of, like or, the or, yeah, blade. Like, it's the size of the blade. Imagine if you had a Swiss Army knife scissors, right? And then yeah, you took like one that. of those scissors ends off. That's the size of the knife. It's it's, small, it's, it's like small. for a Barbie doll. It's small, but you know, like you said, the most the most like. Um, uh, you know, money per hour that you made was picking up shit. Yeah, I'm telling you, these blades, these knives. This I've never made more per hour than with the miniature knives. Really, it's the least expensive item that I sell, but it's per hour, super, super easy for uh-huh. me. To, you know, keep making these. I'm I'm very very happy. And your fingers don't get the like lives. I don't know, but you know. and you don't get like you don't get like 
arthritis cramps? in your fingers? Fucking A, I get cramps in my fingers. <laughs> I bet you it's do. It's not easy. Like, uh, after 20 of those, you're like, okay, maybe I'll do the rest tomorrow. Oh, my Yeah, God. no, it's crampy because it's all fingertip pressure. You're not yeah. actually using all that much of, like, the arm strength. you're a big it's guy. Yeah, and I'm a big guy. So I'm hunched over and, do, you know. And then you had to get a, a – did you, did, you, did you laser engrave them or did you have to get a stamp made? I – Got a stamp made. It's, you know, the right size and all that shit. I just, you know, I, I got a little, like, you know, anal about it. But um, but I wanted them to look right, you know? Yeah. And, uh, uh, they're, I mean, it's they're incredible. I mean, they really are. I've been wanting to get one of your knives forever. And when you gave that to me, I was just like, this isn't me buying one of your knives. But I was super <laughs> pumped. And I showed it to my wife. who My wife has known me now. We've been together for over 30 about 30 years so like steel does not impress if i make anything out of steel it ain't, ain't gonna impress her sure i mean sometimes i bring in something like some damascus just to show her because she never seen it that's kind of cool but like i brought that and i said you're never gonna believe it. my friend noah gave me in maker camp and i pulled out that knife and she was like oh my god that is amazing i said i know and it's sharp too i know somebody <laughs> did a video cooking with that knife yeah chris uh chris hamlin who who organizes the great lakes custom knife show um, he was nice enough to pick one up for me when I was there. And, uh, yeah, he, he, he was like going camping right afterwards or something. So it was, I don't know if it was the only knife he had, probably not, but he, he was inspired and he made like a whole, whole stir fry. He did a whole stir Hilarious. fry just like cutting with that. Yeah. which shows that I guess it, it does work. Does um, it make you think maybe like, maybe there's a size if you just like bumped it up, like. Yeah. Maybe there is like an ED because it because you know you think when you're making knives, if a small knife is a small chef knife is going to end up looking like just going to look like a paring knife. What if you just bumped yeah. it up to like five percent or ten percent more? When is it going to? When at what percentage do you think that that tiny knife would actually be usable? Because obviously it's not really usable. Not really, and I think it's all about the handle. And and unfortunately, like I feel like if the handle is going to be comfortable. It basically is just a paring knife. It's, you know yeah. what I mean? Like at that point, it's basically right. just maybe it's a paring knife that shares all the exact same proportions as um, like a full size knife. But it's like, eh, so what? It's like what half scale or something like that, or because the, so the, the knives are one third scale. That's what they are. A one third scale. Yeah, it's a one third scale. And so the next, I kind of like almost want to go smaller. But, oh my but then god! If it, but then if you go smaller, then you really can't do shit with it. At least like at this point, you can actually hold it with your fingers and I don't yeah, know, you know, no, cut the, some paper with it. The amazing part about the size is it's small enough to realize how amazing it is, and that the fact that you actually made it, you didn't like find some company that makes miniature versions of knives. Like yeah, it's right. a usable, sharp ass knife. Like yes. I, that's the most important. That's the most crazy part. Like. I know that if I have I done it, it would be not. It would not. There's. No, it wouldn't be sharp. And then it would. Be, it would be a wreck. Frankly, if I did it, I know that. I know myself. It would be like glue joints all over the place, and it would just you know totally disaster. Well, I so I had people reach out and be like, oh, you should make it for like um like a lapel pin, like or make it um a necklace or yeah, and I was thinking like none of those things are knives, the, right? The, you know, and I can't make them sharp and pointy. And then it, I don't want to do that. I'm not, I'm not a you know jewelry maker or whatever. Right. Like I still want it to be a knife, and I it like it. You know, you kind of do need to give it. It's tiny, but you have to give it some respect. You know what I mean? Like you can't just like put it in your pocket. Yeah, it's not sculpture. It's that's not the, sculpture. It, it's still a tool. Thing. It's just a miniature tool. That's the most interesting part about it. Is yeah, that, I think like so. I was wondering. I was just like, is he? Ma I was thinking this morning. I was like, is this sculpture? And then I was just like, I don't think it is. I think it's a small. It's a really small knife. It's just a really small knife. 
Well, one of the things that was kind of interesting about that was it, it made me realize that like, oh, I've never actually offered anything at that price point before. And, and you know, in the context of this conversation that we've been having, you know, about what do you do when you feel like the market slows down, you got to like adapt. And so it made me realize like, I got to, I got to also, you know, have things that are in that price point too, because I mean, well, you know, you can't, I got you. you. Yeah. It's not going to be, it's not going to be, you know, I can't just be selling $1,500 knives all the time. I know. I got to find some other stuff. And that actually led to, I don't know if you saw, I made a post this week, but kind of, kind of one thing that I'm, one of the things I'm interested or excited about, you could say, um, is I'm working with my, with my dad. So my father is, he's been a woodworker. He's been a, uh, architect and he's done a whole lot of things in his life. He was a historical journal writer. Anyway, he used to make cutting boards and I'd been kind of on his ass after the minis like, hey, you know, if you make cutting boards, I can put those on the website. I bet they'd sell. And he was like, fuck it. So he came back in the shop a couple of weeks ago and he got back into making cutting boards again, doing like, you know, and grain and, and nice stuff, like tasty stuff. And so we just had a newsletter just this week that went really well sold a bunch of his boards and they're up on the website boards by pops is what we're calling it and um and so he so my my workshop was originally a cabinet makers workshop and the woodworking side we did not fuck with because it's just it's too valuable to have you know a fully fleshed out functional wood shop so i made my knife shop a little smaller than i would have liked in order to make sure that that stayed fully functional and it's been sitting more or less unused for the last two years but now my dad's in there every day and uh he's excited to be making boards again and it's keeping him busy and uh we just shipped out you know a bunch of boards this morning together and so like he's in some ways an old dog learning some new tricks too because he doesn't know fuck all about marketing on instagram or any of that stuff and i'm like the one who's showing him how to do all this stuff now and uh, it's so it's a new it's a new um, aspect to our relationship, and um, so far it's going really good. How fun is that? that yeah, you guys are in the cool. same shop together. We're in the same shop. We like come in in the morning and you know have a little chat and then get to work and then go grab a sandwich and it's like oh my it's god, it's cool, man. It's really cool. It's, that and is... I know he's not going to do it forever. He'll get sick of it at some point. Fine, it's fine. But but for now, it's it's cool. I, I'm so I'm so happy for you to have Thank this opportunity man. because when you talk about what's success, this is kind of success. I mean, you're oh, having totally. a memory with your father that you'll be able to hold on to for a long time. That's it. Oh yeah. my God, I am so I'm envious of that. I, yeah. I always kind of wanted something like that, some that type of. That's the kind of relationship that I've always wanted with my father, which was just like this. Let's do something together, but not together. To you know, not together. Together. It's not like you're 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 helping him hold the wood. You know, it's like sure. It's like you're you're doing your knife making. He's making the boards, and you, and it's all within the kind of the same confines. That's really really that's really really cool. Yeah, I, I feel pretty lucky to to have that set up for sure. That's and awesome. I mean, that was the shop he worked at when I was a kid. So oh, it's crazy. You know, like I used to sweep the floors on the weekend at that shop. You know, that was my first gig. I was 10 years old, I think, and I was making like five bucks to go in for two hours on a Saturday and clean, you know, pull like five bags of sawdust out of there and just clean the whole shop up. Um, and so now that's, you know, it's my shop and it's it's, it's also where, where my dad's back there doing the boards. So, yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah, it's cool. 
living the dream. Living the dream out in the, out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> so, so besides the, what else is new? What's coming up on the on the horizon for you? So obviously, this time of year is like you know, I become a bit of a task taskmaster. Yeah, um, I'm pushing myself hard um, because I know I, like I gotta you know do, make the most out of the Christmas season. So. Uh, first newsletter sale of the Christmas season went out this week. Did really well, so I'm really happy about that. And then back in the shop for I got some workshops coming up. I squeezed in before Christmas, but it's going to be mostly just production, production, production until uh, until the end of the year. Um, and uh, hope my body fucking you know complies and doesn't uh, yeah. doesn't shit the bed on me. I, it's kind of it's a bit of an aside. I had a my knees are kind of fucked, so I had an uh, I had a physiotherapist appointment um this morning the first physiotherapist appointment that i've had for this but in the in the past i had back issues and i went to see physiotherapist and um one time i went to see this this very good physiotherapist very nice girl anyway she was doing something to my back i was on the table i'm lying on my back she's got my feet up in the air my legs straight up in the air and she goes now drop one leg while i hold one up and so i drop one leg and the whole fucking thing falls out the pant leg. You know, like... What do you the, mean the whole like thing? Like dick and balls right in the face. <laughs> just like the whole fucking thing just... And she, she's like, whoop. And I, and I look down like, ah, oh, shit. So I, so well, she next, asked for it. I mean, She asked for it. So the next week I was like, okay, I'm going to... I am going to wear... I, I went out and bought underwear just for this. They were like, you know, uh, boxer briefs. You know, tight around the leg. I was like, right, I'm right. ready for this shit. We go in the next week. She pulls the same move. Same fucking thing happens. Look at you. Flopping out. Giant penis. <laughs> no, Matt, Sean, that's the takeaway. So this, this is a so, story about your bad knees. This is a, so this is a story about your giant penis. Well, that's the, that's the underlying yeah, theme. Um, <laughs> this is a bullshit story. I want to talk about my bad knees. What I really want to talk to you is I have a hog. I have yeah, a big penis. It's, right? It's, go ahead. So finish the story. So anyway, so today I've got my first physiotherapy appointment and i know it's going to be something with my legs because it's my knee so i'm thinking i'm thinking ahead here i'm, I'm gonna wear shorts oh. so i go to the physiotherapist appointment i'm sitting down he goes so do you have a pair of shorts with you and i go ah oh, fuck i left them on the front hall table so no shorts and anyway luckily none of the same floppy shit happened but um but uh, yeah man you gotta you gotta you gotta be prepared for this <laughs> and i wasn't and i, I got lucky Oh my God! You have the problem that most men want. I mean, now the story is is like the real story is. is and most guys are. I mean, I'm not like worried that my dick's flopping out anywhere. I mean, I mean, if she pull if she pulled that move on you, guaranteed. Dude, there's no flopping. Around. There's no flopping. There's no flopping. I mean, it was I'm a like, warm. It was a warm room. Oh, warm room. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, in, I would if knowing that somebody might see my dick and balls, it all kind of retracts. I'm not too. I'm not going to be one of them. I'm not going to be. You know, I don't even have to worry about that. I'm not going. I will say a funny. I did. I, I had one time. I went to a urologist, okay. and he was kind of feeling my feeling or feeling my testicles and feeling the. the all the stuff and he just turns to me and goes you have very fine vast deferent and i didn't know if that was a compliment that sounds or, like a compliment it wasn't a compliment apparently fine my wife said no no fine means it's not like fine as in that's fine it's fine as in it's like it's little so i was just Aww. like i was just like oh i thought i was getting a compliment yeah i don't normally i don't normally have to worry about oh jesus my giant penis is gonna fall out i better tape it up before this whole, this no, whole event. That, that's not typically my problem 
Uh, apparently not. Well, listen, if that's if that's the worst of it, listen, guys, Noah Vashon's got a giant penis. That's the that's the real takeaway of this <laughs> goddamn takeaway. interview. That we want like an hour and 37 here. minutes to find out exactly what the problem is. Boy got a big dick, and his and doctor's fuck, making him take more. Knees. And his doctor's <laughs> making him have more. Ma- I think your doctor's giving you more appointments because they're hoping the, the old hog flops out a few more times. <laughs> Well, Noah Vashon, it is always a pleasure. You have an open invite as always. It was Thank so you. great meeting you and hanging out with you and, and fooling around. And, and uh, you're you are the man. You have an open anytime you need a podcast. You need to come. You want to come on board? You just give me a call. You always got my number, guys. Vashon knives. Get on the newsletter. And listen, if you're a doctor and you want to get some see some giant penis, see if he wants to get a give a referral. You're in the Quebec area. I mean, here's your chance. Here's your chance. Here's your chance. You'll do. It'll be a. It'll be a house call only fans. House call only fans. That's it. Noah Vashon, guys. This is a lot of fun as always. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys next week. And as always, thank you very much, Noah. You are the man. You're the man. Thank you. Thank you. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.